0: Turning your Bibles again to John chapter 14, especially verses 16 and 17, as well as verse 26. Here, the Lord Jesus Christ speaking to his disciples in the upper room tells them that near at hand is the fulfillment of God's promises spoken long ago of the pouring out, the sending forth of the Holy Spirit. And in this word of promise, The Lord Jesus teaches us concerning the person and the work of the Holy Spirit, gives to us a primer, if you will, a brief summary of who the Spirit is and what the Spirit would do. And this was, at least it should not have been unfamiliar to the disciples to hear of the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of truth, the Spirit of Christ. Those words of the prophet Joel in Joel chapter 2 about the day in which God would pour out his spirit upon his people perhaps came to their minds indeed it should have and it certainly did come to mind when the spirit was poured out on the day of pentecost 40 days uh, or shortly after our lord's ascension into heaven 40 days after his resurrection. What should have also come to their minds and should come to our minds as well is that this spirit is not here mentioned by Jesus for the first time, was not even mentioned by the Lord in his promises to Joel or even to the prophet Isaiah, who speaks of the spirit being poured out, not only upon the Messiah, but the spirit being poured out on the Messiah's people so that the word of God would dwell with them. But it's interesting to notice in the scriptures, and this is something that perhaps should have come to the disciples' mind, it should come to our mind here today, that the very first Person of the Holy Trinity mentioned in Scripture is the Holy Spirit. In the account we are given of the creation of the heavens and the earth, we're told in summary fashion that in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth, right? The one true and living God created. This is his omnipotent work. This God who precedes creation. This God who is eternal and not bound as it were by the limitations of the creation which he speaks into existence. This God makes all things. And the one as it were who moved upon the darkness and the deep in that creation, who moved upon the face of the waters is the spirit of God. The very first indication we have that there is a distinction of persons in the Godhead is in Genesis chapter 1 and verse 2 and the very first person Of the Holy Trinity mentioned in scripture is the Holy Spirit. The third person who with the Father and the Son is true and living God. True eternal God of one substance with the Father and the Spirit. And so though a new thing, as it were, was happening when Jesus spoke to his disciples, and a new thing was to happen on the day of Pentecost, and a new thing happens when the Spirit of God is sent into the heart of a sinner, making them alive together with Christ, the Spirit himself is not a new thing. He's no thing at all. He is true God together with the Father and the Son. And this one is sent forth by the Father and the Son in order to bring us to the Son and to the Father. This very one who made things new in the day of creation is the one who makes things new in the new creation. He is the one who makes us new creatures. And he is the one who abides with us forever so that we might abide with the Son and the Father forever this is what Jesus teaches us here in John chapter 14 that he will together with the Father give us another comforter that he may be with us forever that this spirit of truth from the fallen world is unable to receive fallen man unable to receive. Will nevertheless be known by us precisely because he abides with us. Jesus, interestingly, in the upper room discourses, speaks quite a bit about abiding, dwelling, which isn't just living, but living with. Living with God. Dwelling with God. With the Father. Jesus speaks of his own living with the Father. He speaks of his own dwelling with the Father as one who is one with the Father. Who is in the Father and the Father in him. And that his work... Which will be applied by this Spirit, the Holy Spirit, will cause us to abide with Him and the Father forever. The Spirit, who is true God, is sent so that we might dwell with God and that God might dwell with us and we'll come to consider by way of the catechism how this is so and how this is the work of the holy spirit. Question and answer 52 of the of an orthodox catechism asks what do you believe concerning the holy spirit? Remember we're in the midst of the catechism's exposition of the articles of faith summarized in the apostles creed in which we as Christians confess that we believe in the Holy Spirit. And so it rightly asks and considers this question, what do you believe concerning the Holy Spirit? And two things are mentioned first that he is true and co-eternal God with the eternal father and Son. Who is the Spirit? He is true God. Distinct from and yet one with the Father and the Son. Second, that he is also given unto me to make me partaker of Christ and all his benefits through a true faith to comfort me and to abide with me Forever. First, his person. Second, his personal work. He comes, he is given to the believer to make the believer a partaker of Christ and his benefits through faith. And in the midst of all of the trials and vagaries of life, to comfort us and forever, in view of eternity, to abide with us. And so there are two things we want to consider concerning the Spirit. His person, first of all, and his mission. His person, first of all, and his mission or work, second of all. And this is vital for us to understand. Not only because the spirit is the spirit of life, the spirit of the new creation, if you will, the spirit who is said to abide with us and we and who dwells in us, making us the dwelling of the Father and the Son, if you will. He's the one who brings us Christ and his benefits. That's vital for us to understand if we would indeed have eternal life. But it's vital for us to understand also and related to this in the context of our own day and age, even among fellow believers where there is much confusion regarding the person and work of the Holy Spirit. There are those who would argue that the only way we can really understand who the Spirit is and what the Spirit does is if we ourselves know these signs and wonders that were done by the Spirit in the days of the apostles. If we ourselves can speak in tongues or some such thing. Certainly there's a misunderstanding of the nature and character of those signs and wonders, even the nature and character of prophecy and tongues. But there are those who taking this perspective would argue that anyone who would disagree with the present day use of such things as tongues or prophecy are somehow anti-supernaturalists. We really don't believe the Bible, we really don't believe that God is working today by His spirit. And to such a supposition or position, we must say no. The spirit of God is at work today. The spirit of God is at work today in making those who hate Christ love Christ. Those who are outside of Christ and yet in a state of sin, he is at work in bringing them out of that state, making them partakers of Christ, even giving to them true faith in Jesus Christ. He is still at work making the dead live. And this, my friends, is a work as supernatural as it comes. In fact, without boasting in ourselves at all, we may say that each and every one of us who knows Christ and names Christ and confesses Christ from the heart is testimony to this great, powerful, supernatural operation of the Spirit of truth and Spirit of Jesus Christ. We ourselves bear witness to the fact. That the spirit once poured out at Pentecost is yet finding his home in the hearts of many. But with that said, let's consider together who this one is and how he changes us and how he works for us and in us by God's grace. First of all, then the person of Jesus Christ or the person of the Holy Spirit. He is true God. There are several indicators of this already in verses 16 and 17 of John chapter 14 as well as in chapter 14 and verse 26, but also elsewhere in the context of our Lord's teaching in the Upper Room Discourses, John 15 and verse 26, to be specific. But notice at least a kind of cursory overview of these things that the deity of the Spirit, the true deity of the Spirit, is emphasized by the very names by which he is named, the names by which he is known. Jesus says that he is another comforter, another. Advocate. Jesus has spoken of himself as an advocate, as the comforter. And this work, the work which this title or name speaks of, is nothing short of a divine work, attributed to and attributable only to one who is true God Jesus alone can be comforter in part because he is true God but the spirit of truth this other or another comforter is likewise named as such and able to perform this work because he is God true God This work of advocating, comforting is a work of or it speaks to the fact that the one doing it is in some measure a redeemer. And the scriptures are clear that this work of redemption and all of the fruits brought about in that redemption are the work of the Lord alone. The prophet Isaiah repeatedly is told to tell God's people this message. I, the Lord, alone am your deliverer. I, the Lord, alone am your comforter. I, the Lord, alone bring you out of your state of sin and misery and into a state of grace in which you know the blessings of this grace. The comforter is divine. And so for Jesus to say there is another comforter is not to say there is another God, but another one who is God, like him, like the Father. And not just like him and like the Father, but one who is, in fact, one with the Father and with him. True God and co-eternal God. He is the Spirit of Truth as well. The Spirit of Truth. Where does truth reside? Who is truth and who alone makes known truth? But God. And so, for the Spirit to be so identified with truth here, such that he is named the Spirit of truth, the Spirit who is himself truth, and the Spirit who gives truth, is likewise, again, to name him as true God. And if we turn over to verse 26, this one, the comforter, who is the Holy Spirit, that name, Holy Spirit, things are called holy in scripture in one of two ways, either by nature or by gift. By nature, as it really is, holy, and such as only God. Remember, Isaiah sees the heavenly throne and with the hosts of heaven cries out, holy, holy, holy. There are things that are holy by nature, only God. And things that are holy by gift, by way of, we might even say, the communication of holiness from God. And so we have to ask ourselves the question: Is this holy? Is this one named the Holy Spirit by nature or by gift? Well, already the names he has been given would indicate that it is by nature. And this is one who is sent in the name of the Son from the Father. The one who teaches the disciples all things and brings to remembrance all that he said, all that Jesus said to them. This comforter is again mentioned in chapter 15 in verse 26. The comforter has come, the one whom I will send unto you from the Father. That language, from the Father, is significant. The Spirit dwells in and with the Father, as well as in and with the Son, which is indicated in the fact that the Spirit of truth is named as one who, by nature, proceedeth from the Father. Here we have reference to his eternal procession from the Father and the Son, which likewise indicates his deity. But he, by nature, dwells, as it were, in and with the Father. The language that Jesus uses in naming this spirit and in naming this Spirit's operations in the economy of salvation, in God's working of redemption, indicates for us that this is one who is true God, not of like substance to the Father and the Spirit, but of the very same substance as the Father and the Son. He is one With one in father, son, father and son. Don't miss that point. That it's not just the language of him proceeding from the father and the son that indicates his deity. But the very names by which he is made known to us indicate... (coughs) indicate for us that the Spirit is nothing less than, nothing other than, true God, co-eternal God. He is the spirit of God, the spirit of truth, the Holy Spirit, not a creature of God, not a derivative of God, and so less than God, but himself God, the one who is sent into the world and into our hearts from the Father and the Son precisely because he is in his very subsistence in the Godhead of the Father, proceeding from the Father and the Son. His names indicate his deity. The works that are ascribed to him indicate his deity, Who comforts? Who causes us to abide with God forever? Who can dwell with us and make us the home of the Father and the Son? Who can teach? Who can bring to remembrance everything that Jesus said to his disciples? The very one who is the spirit of truth, who guides in all truth, who, according to John 16 and verse 13, does this because he does not speak from himself, but what things soever he shall hear, these he shall speak, and he shall declare unto you the things that are to come. He shall glorify me, for he shall take of mine and shall declare it unto you. All things whatsoever the Father hath are mine. Therefore said I, that he taketh of mine and shall declare it unto you. The Spirit. The Spirit abides with us. The Spirit brings to us the knowledge of the truth. Because by nature he hears the things of truth. By nature, he takes the things that are Christ's and declares it unto us. These things of the truth are the things that the Father has, that the Son has, and the Spirit has, and he gives them. And he gives them because he himself is true God. Indeed, there's more we could say in terms of the true deity of the Spirit, that he is one with and in the Father and the Son. Genesis 1 and verse 2 attests to this. He creates. Who creates? The Lord alone creates. Whose name is placed upon us in baptism, but the name of God Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Only God brings us the knowledge of the things of God, according to Paul in 1 Corinthians. And who is it that brings us the knowledge of the things of God, but the Spirit of God? My friends, do not miss the point that the one who is said to dwell in us, the the one that the Father and the Son give to us to make us partakers of Christ and his benefits, the one whom the Father and the Son give to us to dwell with us so that we might dwell with God forever, is himself one with us the Father, and the Son. He is God. True God. God is no miser. We'll see this as we think more of the mission of the Spirit and the work of the Spirit. But even as we stop and reflect for a moment... the deity of the Holy Spirit. His, to use a very technical word, which we've already used, his consubstantiality with the Father and the Son, that he is one and of the same substance, that is, he's true God in every way that the Father is God, in every way that the Son is God, the Spirit is God. his distinction from them known by the way, by the fact that he proceeds from them both. But don't miss the point that this one, this one who comforts us in the midst of all of the troubles and trials of this life, the one who abides with us forever, who makes his Home in our hearts, according to Paul in Galatians 4, is God Himself. God is no miser. He gives the best of gifts, He gives the Spirit, who is Himself God. And with the Spirit, we have everything. We have, in a manner of speaking, God Himself. God Himself dwells in us. There were temporary signs associated with the Spirit... In the founding of the church, such as signs and wonders, tongues rightly understood, prophecy. And to focus on these as if this is the real working of the Spirit is to totally miss the point of God making his home with us so that we might have our home with God forever. That's what matters. That's what matters. As we look around at the world in which we live and think for a moment... Of a world that is dead and dying. As we think of ourselves outside of Christ and apart from Christ for but a moment, and think of ourselves as dead in sin, is what the world and what a world of unbelief and unbelievers is what it needs? Signs and wonders? And tongues and prophecy? No. It needs what all of that pointed to. The Spirit Himself in His saving operation of taking the things that are Christ's and making them ours such that we would live with God forever. That's what the world needs. That's what you and I need. The Spirit of Truth. The Holy Spirit, the Spirit that would glorify Jesus Christ by taking the benefits of His death and resurrection and bringing them to us when we don't deserve them, when we in fact deserve the very opposite. That's what we need. That's what Jesus in fact understood and knew that His disciples needed as He seeks to comfort them, as He seeks to prepare them for the trouble that would come to their hearts with Jesus departing, not only in his death, but Jesus departing from them bodily and physically in his ascension into heaven. He understood what we needed this other comforter to come. To come, yes, to be poured out upon the nations. To be poured out unto the establishing of the church. But to be poured out even into the hearts of those who were yet in sin. So that they might be made alive together with Christ. And dwell with God and with His Son forever. This Eternal Spirit, who is one with the Father and the Son, true God, is sent. To live with us, in us, and cause us to live with God forever. And we'll return to that next week as we think of what the scriptures teach and the catechism teach regarding the work of, the mission of the spirit but let us let us meditate today even upon the great gift that jesus christ has given us that jesus christ has prayed The Father to give us. And that the Father didn't have to be convinced to give, but who freely gives. The Father and the Son together giving the Spirit of truth who abides with us and who is in us. God gives, He gives generously, He gives graciously, He gives abundantly. He gives Himself the Spirit, but He loses nothing. He loses nothing. If I give you $50, I don't have $50 anymore. But God gives Himself to us in the Spirit, And doesn't lose the spirit. (laughs) But he brings us to himself. His rebellious creatures. Those who have fallen short of the glory of God. God himself. Glorifies his son. By giving the spirit to make us. His people. Brethren. Meditate today upon the fact that the Holy Spirit was given in the name of Christ by the Father so that you might know the things of the Father in the Son by the Spirit. He has given himself. We often think of this in terms of the cross. Jesus gave himself for our sins, and this is true. But the victorious, risen, and ascended Christ gives the Spirit from the Father and gives him not in measure, but in fullness. Let's pray.